Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our lives. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for giving us the double portion of your love, mercy, and grace. God, today I ask that you lead me in this discussion. Fill us all with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for filling me up. I just pray that you allow me to say everything that I need to say today. Let me say it with clarity and allow us all to be able to receive your word. And God, just allow us to keep your word hidden in our hearts. Allow us to be faithful to you, God. Allow us to, you know, um, just maintain the relationship. Let us maintain consistency with you. God, let us be able to crave you, crave the things that you want for us, crave your plan, crave your will, crave your purpose for us, God. Let that be our number one interest, our number one desire, Lord. Allow us for, to fulfill your plan, your will, and your purpose, God, no matter what it takes. So, God, we just pray. We sh I pray that you shaking and awaken everybody in this world, including myself. Whatever it takes for us to fulfill your plan, will, and purpose, God, let it be. Let your will be done. Not ours or anyone else, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sin in your atonement blood. Amen. Hey, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. So um, today I am continuing the discussion of women's health. This is a trending topic, actually, okay? Um, so it is so much information about women's health that I want to cover. I want to go over the top women in the Bible. I also want to talk about the um, the strong black woman syndrome. I would like to talk about just women all together and women empowerment. Um, it's so much that I want to talk about with women's health. Oh, um, but if you all have any topic suggestions like that pertains to women's health, please go ahead and send me an email. You can send me an email directly at Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org or you can send it to the general email. Uh, Laws Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. And so um, today I wanted to talk about self-doubt, okay? Um, self-doubt, it can be a very, very overwhelming process. Um, many times when you're doubting yourself, you sort of lose momentum. You lose inspiration. You know, you feel like, who am I going to talk to? And it's like, really, the answer is God, okay? And I know I always kind of revert back to God with everything, and that's because God has really brought me through a lot. Just in one week, I literally was removed from classes all the way into the end of next year, okay? And all of my classes was removed from the schedule, and I was even removed from a class, a class that I completed. Okay, and so this just happened last Thursday. And so let me tell you the good news. So God doesn't really allow me to um, mope around. So I don't mope around. I don't like um, feeling like stressed out about anything. The only thing that I know how to do 
the best is give it to God and talk to God about it. And so that's what I did. I talked to God about it immediately. And when I did, guess what? I already completed a new school application. I was just filling out applications everywhere. And I now I, I think I've selected the main school that I'm going to be attending. Um, but then someone else said to me today, you know, what if your school allows you to stay? I, I mean, I really believe that they will. That That isn't really like debatable because I haven't done anything really like major. You know, I, I really am a focused student and um, and I do my work. You know, it's, it's just about following the rules on assignments. And that's what I do. When it comes to my research, I am pretty much like thinking outside of the box. I don't want to be subjective. I'm trying to be objective as possible. Now, a lot of times people say, you know, um, everyone has biases. Well, just think about this for a moment. If you don't think you have biases, then that would be a foolish ideology. So everyone in the world has been subjective at some point with some biases. The point of the matter is, it's about how do you minimize or eliminate those biases? So it's, it's equivalently important for me to be able to provide balance, okay? I want to have balance and precision. And in order to be able to do that, I have to be able to not just think about things from my perspective. I have to think about the things from the opposition's perspective as well. So it's not always about you. So that's the way I, I, I look at things in life because God says, you know, it's not about you. You are saved. Okay. So if you are saved, it's about those people that are unsaved. And so the way that I handle this is God say, okay, so if you're saved and you believe, you know that you're saved, it's about the unhealthy people. So let's go. I want to share my screen. Let me go ahead and share the screen and let me get right into the words today. Okay. Cause I'm Bible driven. Okay. Really specifically Bible focused. It's not, it's a, it's okay to share my opinion here and there, but, but mainly it's very important to be able to talk about the word of God. And so that's what the, my main goal is. So going to this Bible verse, I would like to go to, um, Okay, let's pull this up. Okay, so here we go. You go to Luke 5, 31 and 32. And so Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Actually, I didn't want to just read 31. I wanted to read Luke 5, 31 and 32. So let me go to... Um, So when you um, look here, Jesus answered them and answered them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. So you understand it's like we have to understand that it's not about you. So that means that 
in this situation where I felt like I was attacked because literally I was, I have so much documentation to just support, you know, um, the dismissal of this um, claim against me at school with my professor. It's so much that has been said about me from him. It's amazing. Um, but I don't really get upset about it because you have to understand that. Well, I understand that people are not going to understand things always from the way that I understand them. I understand this. Okay. People are not going to perceive things the way that you perceive them. So how does that shape your confidence? You know, how does it shape, you know, your ability to overcome trials and tribulations? So the way that, the way that you do that is this way, okay? The first thing you want to do is accept the fact that everyone is not going to have the same ability of understanding things the way that you understand them. And you have to broaden the scope of your understanding. So you see, refocusing back on this scripture, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So if you are aware of something and just say someone is lying on you and you have proof that they're lying on you, well, you don't have to stress out about it. You don't have to feel like you're defeated in the situation. You don't have to uh, worry or be concerned. You just give it to God because guess what? God will take care of it. God is there to make sure that you are going to be okay. And so you have to trust God. You have been trusting people long enough. You trusted people long enough. It's time for you to trust God. You have to give God a chance. So when do you give him a chance to be in your life full time? Not part time, but full time. So that's what you want to look at. Now, when we're talking about um just the doubt part. So the self-doubt. How does self-doubt come into your life? Self-doubt, it all comes from your experiences. Once again, your experiences are shaping your mindset, the way that you think is transforming you either in a spiritual way where you're going to have a, a greater relationship in the kingdom and a greater relationship with God, or you're going to be having these negative ideologies just that's going to uh, make you feel really bad and disallow you from moving forward. So it's not about you. When you understand that there are other perspectives in this world besides just yours. So it's like these experiences are a, a way to teach you how to become mature. And the way that we become mature is we learn and we take the information that God is trying to show us in our adversity, in the pain, in the experience, in that moment, in the challenge, right? And so what we do is we take this information 
and you say, okay, well, that person just doesn't get it. They don't understand. Why would they do this? Why would she say that? How could he lie? Well, you have to understand something. When people have been getting away with doing something for so long, it then becomes a norm to them. It is a norm. Don't let it interfere with your faith. Don't let it interfere with your confidence. Don't let it interfere with your ability to stay focused and stay, stay the course. You have to stay the course. It doesn't matter what storm is being thrown at you. It doesn't matter what situation. Oh, okay. Now you're messing up in school. Okay. Okay. Now you're, you just lost your job. Okay. That's another situation. Okay. Now you're behind on your bills. Okay. All right. Now your relationship and your, and your marriage is going sour. Okay. So it's more and more stuff that's piling up and piling up and piling up. How is that shaping your belief system? Because you have a pre-existing thought and belief system that is being shaped by your experiences, by what's happening right now in the moment in your life. You have a belief system. You do. So in that belief system, what is God trying to tell you? God isn't going to speak doubt and unbelief in your life specifically when it entails something good or when you're embarking on a journey that is going to enhance your life or is going to improve your relationship in the kingdom of god so you got to look at the basically like the things that are motivating you those motivations small or large motivations those motivations are really impacting the way that you think it also impacts whether or not you have faith or you have doubt see because if you don't believe in yourself then you are doubting god's ability to work in your life because god says that you can do all things through christ who gives you strength all things it doesn't say god will give you some things or tiny things or little bit god says that you can do all things through christ who gives you strength all things so that means that if god said that i can do all things that means i'm going to do all things i can do all things so that means that when I am doing things that is specific to the kingdom of God, that means I can do it and I can accomplish it. And that means that I'm fulfilling God's purpose. And that means that I'm fulfilling God's will. So God is going to definitely support me in those areas. So how many areas in your life are you actually allowing God to lead you? Or are you being led to have self-doubt? So all of these self-doubts that comes into your life, sometimes some people, they, they don't notice that they have self-doubt. But your self-doubt is in your language. Also in your behavior. So are you speaking things like, oh, you know, 
Uh, I, I can't do that. It ain't going to work. How do you know if it's going to work if you haven't tried it? You you know what the future holds? Because I, I usually always say that to people. They be like, oh, no. um, See, they're not going to let you do that. Who Who told you that? You know, because you don't know. So if you don't try something, you'll never know if it works or not. Okay. So it's important to be able to have an open mind. An open mind in a way where you're giving God a chance to help you. You have to give God the chance to help you. You must authorize God to come into your life. See, God is going to be there. God chases you with his love. God continues to speak to you through his children. God speaks to you in so many different ways. He'll speak to you th through his word, right? He speaks to you in so many different ways. But you are ultimately the person that needs to authorize God in your life. You have to give God the authority to lead you. Because God, everything that we do with God is voluntary. It's not involuntary. So I wanted to go to this other Bible verse. Um, this this Bible verse is uh, Judges chapter 10. So if you all go to your Bible to Judges chapter 10. Okay, it says again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Ashtorites and the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of Ammonites and the gods of the Philistines. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, he became angry with them. So in, in the Ten Commandments, let's look at that so that we can um, just basically correlate this scripture with, the, with Exodus chapter 20. So we're going to access these two scriptures interchangeably, okay? So go from Judges 10 to Exodus 20. Okay, so Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. The first thing that we see here is verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. So, actually, let's look at verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Let me explain this. What's really, what's really, um, interesting here is that 
there are people that have so many different beliefs and I've already talked about how having many um having different religions and how religion is what causes confusion. God isn't a god of confusion. Our God is a God of peace. Our God is not going to give you any type of confusion. So it's so important to make sure that when you are studying these different religions or you're embarking on a journey where you where you still have questions, you need to take it under advisory. Because anytime you're you're um, practicing within a polytheistic type of belief system, those things could be really detrimental to your future. If you have unanswered questions and you're continuing to follow in those practices and you're like, okay, you still haven't had your questions answered, you need to revert back and look at yourself and say, okay, are you willing to take a chance if the word of God is real? And so I'm just, I'm the, I know for a fact that the word of God is real. It's, we have archaeologists that show that the word of God is real. We have artifacts to show that. We also have the word of God who is who has um been manifested. So in the John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So the, the word of God has been with people and have performed miracles in the lives of a lot of people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you see that miracles can be extinguished. Miracles can be eradicated, okay? These are people who believe in the Bible. These are people who believe in God's word, okay? So if you're in a situation or ever find yourself in a situation where you're having to question the... uh the the you know authentic authenticity of your belief system in that religion you need to go back and study it because here the bible tells us in exodus 20 you shall have no other gods before me and so if you're choosing the wrong god you might not want to risk your eternal soul doing that and you still have questions about your belief systems okay so it's so important to look at that now going back to judges so they had other gods basically like um bells bell gods they served um all of these other different gods the gods of aram sadan gods of moab the gods of ammonites and the gods of the philistines and so because of this they had betrayed God and they no longer served God and God became angry with them okay so many times when God is trying to speak and God is trying to talk to you God will tug at your heart and he'll keep tugging you and tugging you and tugging you until you can hear him because like God is God is supreme he's all being he's all knowledge he's all wisdom God is all creativity. So today I was actually, um, I was, when I'm having a conversation with the Lord, it's like God really just give me a lot of different ideas and stuff. And so I was sitting here talking to God and um, we, we, I was talking about 
like something within the kingdom of God. And like, some, it's an idea that I came up with. And so God, I, God, so God was saying, well, so what would you name it? And I was like, I don't know what I would name it. You know, like I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm just praying. When I pray to God, I have a conversation with the Lord. It's just like, you just talk to God. You just talk to him. And God will talk back to you and you could feel the presence of the Lord. And so what God was saying is, okay, so this is actually like a, um, a idea that I have to advance the kingdom, the kingdom of God right now, like here on earth. But it's a great idea that I would like to implement. Um, I don't want to say it, but <laughs> cause I haven't wrote it down and I haven't got it. Um, I haven't did anything with it, but what God was saying was, okay, so what, what am I going to name it? And, um, I guess I can share it. Okay. I'm going to share it. So I was thinking of like possibly creating an app. Um, so like a social media app that is specifically talks about only Christianity, only, um, Christian music, only Christian culture. Okay. Only beliefs about the Bible and, and God. Okay. So this would be like a app that is specific. So if you post an article about just say the news, um, it'll recommend like a Bible scripture for you to pray and read. So like someone that is, um, seen getting hurt on social media and just say you post that on to our app, the app will show you what to pray for. Because a lot of times when people see certain videos on social media, they're like, oh my God, oh, that is so bad. I don't like seeing that. And then it's like, oh, let me pray for them. Like somebody I know, one of my friends, he doesn't like me looking at his social media page. He said, if you look at my social media, it's just all bad stuff. So you ain't gonna wanna see that. And it's like, when I looked on there, I was like, oh man, that's horrible. You know, like, uh, I don't wanna see that. You know, like, so everything you said was right. Uh, no, I don't want to look at that. And so instead of us having that type of reaction, we can have a reaction to pray about it, you know? And so, you know, like now when you're looking on social media, what they have is they have, um, fact check. So we don't need fact check. We're going to slash out fact check and we're just going to put a prayer. So we say this prayer for this specific thing, right? And so that that's like so nice, okay? And so um, I am going to call it Lipid or Lupid. I think that's what it was. I came up with that uh, name actually because um, so Lupid, Lupid, it means um, no, that that wasn't it. Loop was it Lupin? No, it wasn't Lupin. It it was it mean water. So I, I don't remember the exact name. Okay, yeah, it's called lipid. Lipid. That's what I wanted to call it. Lipid. Um so let me let me show you what the definition of lipid is. So lip lipid. Lipid itself is uh, any of various substances that are soluble in nonpolar organic solvents, such as uh, chloroform and, and ether. 
that are usually insoluble in water that with proteins and carbohydrates constitute the principal structural components of living cells. And that includes fats, waxes, uh, phosphides, uh, cerebrosides, and related and derived compounds. Um, so here's an example of it. Since the 1940s, PFAs compounds have been used in consumer products for their resistance to water, heat, and lipids. So these organic compounds would then be used in further chemical reactions to make amino acids, lipids, DNA, and RNA molecules. However, existing evidence suggests that polyphenols can reduce oxidative stress, which is believed to damage cells, proteins, and lipids. So we see that lipids are basically like um lipids are basically like an organic solvent. Okay. And so I would call it lipid because of the fact that people need god they need god so it'll be called the like the lipid app so let's lip it lip it okay lip it like l-i-p-i-d so we're gonna put a lip it lip on it okay and so lip it it but it means something you know it means variance okay and so this is so like this is a great idea that i've been talking to god about and so um, I haven't actually shared this with anybody. So now I'm sharing it with everybody. And so I came up with this name. And then um, it's inspired by God because I feel like this is something that society really needs. Okay. We do need an app, a social media app. And so God, this is, this is what God gave me here. It would be redesigning social media that redefines how we live. So you can still post things on social media. The only thing about it, the big major, the, the major difference is the fact that now you'll see things to pray about. So instead of fact check, it'll have a prayer and a scripture for you to read. And also, um, it'll, it can suggest certain, um, certain things for, for you too. So a, a certain algorithm that can help you pray about something that you post. So just say if you made if you made um, a post about being said. So today I saw someone post about um, them being, you know, like feeling like life was very hard for them. And so this app will actually be able to provide them with like encouragement. So instead of a fact check, now we're going to give you a first comment. We're going to give you some motivation. So it's like a motivating app. And so that's inspired by God. Okay. So basically the reason why I'm saying this is because God inspired me to be creative. And so he said that, well, that's, he says that this is creative. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't think I normally make or have that many creative ideas, you know? Cause I, I'm sort of plain, okay. Um, and I guess I'm I'm always so focused. I I do find a lot of stuff funny, even though I don't have any other panelists up here. But when I'm talking to my friends and stuff, I am a pretty like perky person. All right. Um, but when it comes to certain topics, I am very assertive. So for God to say that I had a creative idea, I kind of felt good. And so God was telling me that 
that was self-doubt that I was having. And so I'm like, so how? And well, it was because I had self-doubt for the simple fact that I didn't think that I can be that creative. And so the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm always using logic. I'm always in the or I'm praying, so I'm spiritually inclined. Or I'm always reading something. Or, you know, like me and my friends, if we're, if I am talking to many of my friends, um, we're always having like these serious discussions. And, you know, they may throw a joke here and there, but pretty much it's always being having conversation that's centered on logic. And so I didn't think that my a strong suit that I have would be creativity. But God was telling me that I do have creativity and so um he's gonna allow me to explore that further and i thought that that was really interesting because um i i don't think about being creative right and i can share these things because i'm comfortable if you know if i don't get it right it's fine with me god gonna help me get it right no matter how long it takes i'm gonna get this thing right what i have to do so um, it's okay to talk about things that, you know, you may not feel like is your strongest quality, you know? And so I don't think that creativity has been a strong quality for me. Um, but I do believe that when it comes to originality and authentics, authenticity, I have those things. I'm thorough and, and I am pretty much an analyst and I utilize logic when I need to through the lens of also the Holy Spirit. So it's like, okay, I know how to do those things. But when it comes to being creative, then I guess I felt like I was doubting myself. And so God was just telling me that you don't have to doubt yourself in any area. And so he said specifically that that's what he wanted me to talk about tonight. So you have to accept the fact that even though when you fail, God is going to lift you up. If God said that you're going to have it, that means that you have favor. That means that it has been approved and signed off by God. You don't need the approval from people. You don't need the approval from anyone. It was checked, marked. It was checked by God with an exclamation mark, okay? God approved it. Therefore, it has been sanctioned on earth and it's been sanctioned in heaven. So when God says something, that means that God's word will be fulfilled. So you can't allow doubt and unbelief to spill over into your, your thinking system. You can't allow derogatory thinking impact your life. You can't allow all of that type of stuff to take place. You have to eliminate the self-doubt. So I know that like having the app like that, it sounds like a lot, but um, I already know a company that can actually produce an app for me. Um, it's just all about me um, appropriating my time. I'm a very cautious person when it comes to the utilization of time. And so how I spend my time is very important. The, the commitments that I make, I analyze them very closely. So that is a part of who I am, who God has now created me to be. So I don't um, take, take on additional tasks if 
I know that it can interfere with another. And yes, I love multitasking. I love being able to multitask because it allows me to work uh, efficiently across different disciplines. And so it, it, uh, it enhances the quality. And so it's so important for you to be able to know how to allocate your time. What are you spending your time doing? What are you idolizing? Don't idolize anything. We see once again here, once again, in Exodus 20 and 3, you shall have no other gods before me. This is what God is saying. So what are you idolizing? Is Are you focusing so much on that situation? Are you focusing? Let's look at the word idolizing. And then I'm going to go to the Strong's Concordance and type in the word idol. So we can look at the word idol. Okay, so idolizing. To worship as a God. Broadly to love or admire to excess. To practice idolatry. Adore. The common people whom he so idolized. So people, people are idolized. You have to understand certain projects are being idolized. You know, certain positions are being idolized. Certain marriages are being idolized. Material possessions are being idolized. Certain topics are being idolized. To worship. Let's look at the word worship. Because, see, you have to probe further. You can't just, oh, say this and that. So, what the word worship. Okay. Worship. To honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. A celebrity worshipped by her fans. So, you understand, worship isn't just reverence for divine or supernatural power worship can also be uh uh similar to being just of level of respect or honor and devotion so that's what worship means look it up in the dictionary i'm looking at the dictionary right now worship so um, it doesn't necessarily equate to you worshiping something that is supernatural. It doesn't equate to you worshiping or act or having an act of worship at church or, you know, in the choir. You could be worshiping something by having a high regard of respect, honor and devotion to it. That's another form of worship. And so that can be easily, so we, you see idol can be accompanied with worship, not just supernatural, okay? So you, you need to understand that it is also directly related to you respecting, honoring, and having devotion to another thing as well. So what are some things that you respect 
very high? What are some things that you honor very high? What are some things that you're devoted to? These are all acts of worship. Extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Okay? So when we look at the word idol, the word idol is mentioned in the Bible 13 times. And so let's let's look at let's look here at um let's look at Isaiah 66 and 3. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificeth a, a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. Yeah, they have chosen their own ways and their soul delighteth in their abominations. So let me just explain this really swift. The Bible is comprised of two different testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we have the Hebrew scrolls. And so the Hebrew scrolls, are from the book of Genesis all the way up into the book of Malachi. However, the first five chapters in the Bible is called the Torah. It is the law, basically, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so the way that we interpret the Bible is through the Hebrew scrolls in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, through the book of Matthew to Revelation, is going to be interpreted through Greek. And so we have to look at the entire Bible from the King James Version. This is the closely related translation of the Hebrew scrolls and also the Greek. So when it's broken down further away from the King James Bible, it is just basically allowing individuals to be able to interpret the, the literal translation of the Bible. Um, from the English perspective, breaking the words down to make it more seamlessly, uh, more efficient for you to understand and read. However, when we're looking at the Strong's Concordance, we're going to be looking at things in the Bible from the King James Bible that is interpreted from the Greek word or from the Hebrew word. So since this book, Isaiah, is in the Old Testament, we see that it's going to have a Hebrew word. For the word idol. Um, so let's look at this again. And I would like to go over it uh, sentence by sentence. It says, he that killed an ox is as if he slew a man. So some people are, this is talking about idol now. All right. So I've, you got to pay very close attention to what this Bible is saying here. The Bible is so fascinating. Okay. It's beyond fascination. He that killed an ox. Is like as as if he slew a man. So basically, he killing the man. I mean, he killing the ox, like and feeling like he killed a human man, like a man. He's idolizing the way that he killed that ox, like he literally killed the person, like he just did something so magnificent. That's what this is saying. The next sentence. He that sacrificed a lamb is as if he cut off a dog's neck. Sacrificing a lamb for like an, uh, a sin offering. This scripture is so 
so symbolic, okay? Because what it's saying here is that a person is supposed to be sacrificing the lamb, but instead they thinking about, they're comparing it to as if they are cutting off a dog's neck. They're not thinking about they sin. They're not thinking about the burnt offering that they're trying to make or whatever offering that they making. They're trying to compare it to cutting off a dog's neck. That's how they idolizing it in their heart. Do you understand that? So it's like you go out here and you do a good thing. Just say you go out here and feed the homeless people. So now you going out here feeding the homeless people. So now you want to post it all over social media that you didn't fed to all these homeless people. So really it wasn't about you feeding the homeless. What it was is idolizing the fame that you got from feeding the homeless. This is what God is saying. You have to interpret what God is saying. When God is speaking to us, it is imperative for you to get the message. Don't let it fly over your head because then when, when you don't get the message, God going to send a message another way to you, but it's going to be the same message. It's just going to be given to you in a different way. So now, now you have people who are out here, you know, acting like they're humanitarians. And I'm pretty sure they, they really do have good intention in their heart, but uh, some of them, I don't, I don't know who they would be the only ones who know who them and God. Okay. And so, they they act as if they're humanitarians, but then they're they actually are just trying to compete with their friends or, or who can give the most and who can do this and who have the most money to do that that. Oh yeah, you know, I can give to more charities. I and you know, we've donated a half a million dollars to this charity, and you know, we gave 2.5 million dollars to this charity too. Oh no, really? See, I gave $10 million to that charity and it was just so nice, you know. So you have people out here who's now humanitarians and they want to just boast about their giving, but really it isn't about them giving to the charities. <coughs> it's about them boasting to their friends. So the the actual moment. It's the boast to their friends. That's what they're idolizing. Being able to boast to their friends instead of doing a good deed without having it be, be said to everybody in the whole entire world. Okay? So, that is another way. The next thing, um, it says, as if he offered, okay, he that offered an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. So he's you sitting up here and instead of you giving to the church the way that you're supposed to, like you giving your tithe and your offering, you sitting up here acting like you didn't just gave up all of your bill money. Everything. Oh, I didn't gave everything to the church. Now I can't even pay my bill. So it really wasn't about you giving your tithe and offering. What it really was, was for you to reflect on what you've done. So the next one, 
he that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. So people are walking around here burning incense, feeling like they, you know, like in a different zone. They, they in a different world when they light an incense. That's what they mean. That's what this scripture is saying. He that burning incense as if he blessed an idol. So they light an incense and now they feeling like, oh, I'm in a different space. Better yet, I'm in a different continent right now in my mind. That's how they feel. You know, like you did, it's just an incense, but you're idolizing it in a way where now you're putting yourself in a different space that you shouldn't even be putting yourself. You subjecting yourself to something that God doesn't even want you to be subjected to. So it says, yeah, they have chosen their own ways. And their soul delighted in their abominations. So this word idol here in Isaiah 66 and 3, it is pronounced O-step. 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 O-T-S-E-B. So it is derived from Strong's number 60089, but it is Strong's number 6090. It means an idol. As fashion as also pain, bodily or mental. Idol, sorrow, wicked. But see how before I read that, I knew what it was saying now. It's like, like God just revealed it to me before I, I read the, the um actual meaning. So it is putting your mind into somewhere else. Like you want your heart to be transformed, your mind transformed so your heart can be transformed so if your mind is transformed your heart is going to get transformed okay so this type of idol here is referring to the mental that's what it refers to an idol is fashion bodily or mental so you idolizing something that like in the mental, in your mind. So clearly it starts with a thought. It all starts with a thought. Okay. And so that's just that. And okay. So now let's go back to judges. So we see that idols are not right. They are not idols are not something that you should be trying to indirectly do or directly do and remember what idol is remember what idol is idol is an extravagance no i'm sorry worship is an extravagant respect honor or devotion that is what worship is and so if you worshiping Anything that you have so much extravagant respect for. Anything that you have so much extravagant honor or devotion to. Like boasting. You know, telling lies. You know, telling lies to get other people in trouble. It doesn't make any sense. 
Leave it alone. Don't do that. Don't do things that you don't want done to yourself. Because eventually it'll come back to you. So um, here we see that they are worshiping other gods. They no longer serve God. So God becomes angry with them. So he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites. Who that year shattered and crushed them. So for 18 years, they oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan and Gilead. The land of the Amorites. And so um, I believe that this is still a real prevalent, a prevalent discussion with Philistines because I had actually had a conversation with a Philistine and they just feel like they so dominant. And I believe it's because of this situation that occurred in um, Philistine. <coughs> so they were oppressed for 18 years. <coughs> <coughs> the Israelites were oppressed for 18 years by the Amorites. So the Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah. Benjamin and Ephraim. Israel was in great distress. So that's kind of what happens. You see that when you're going through an experience, you're going through a struggle, you're going through problems. Well, what is God trying to show you? That's just that. God is trying to say something to you. What can you pull out of the situation? What can you learn that God is trying to teach you? You know, what are you learning from this adversity? So we see here. That the is then in verse 10 it says, then the Israelites cried out to the Lord. So they they first they did what they wanted to do. They worship other gods. They forgot about God Himself. God abandoned them. After they was abandoned, then they was oppressed. After they was oppressed, then they was in distress. Then they cried out to the Lord. So your situation, you could have made the wrong investment. You just now have worked your entire life savings. Everything that you've had, all of your mutual funds, all everything that you have invested. Now is lost. What do you do? Well, Pay attention to this. If you made the investment without God, have you been keeping God in your life? You know, do you need to get on your knees and cry out to the Lord like the Israelites did? See, many times we could be going through a situation because of our behavior. You have like three different types of situations that you'll go through. The first type of situation is where it's a miracle where you're going through an experience so god can pull a miracle out of it and impact all of the lives of the people who you encounter that's that's just what god do and it's meant to glorify him so that's a miracle so you're going to go through a adverse situation that will create a miracle god will create a miracle in your life 
And now that miracle is going to impact all the lives of the people that you know. So miracles take place. And then God is glorified in that. The next thing is you have situations where you are just ignoring God. You're doing whatever it is that you want to do. And you just don't even talk to God anymore. You know, you just feel like everything that you're doing in life is just because you did it. No one else helped you get to where you are in life besides you. And so now it's like you don't have God in your life. And I'm not just specifically talking to the people who don't believe in God. I'm talking to people who, who believes in God, but they have forgotten about God. They're so overclouded and and so focused into the to the lifestyle that they're living that they have abandoned their faith. And so th that is for those people, the people that have let go of God and abandoned God and now are just living life doing what they want. Then you have the third person. The third type of person is someone that believes in God, but are disobedient to what God is saying. Okay, so you have the people who go through experience for miracles. Then there are people that go through experience because they've abandoned God. And then now you have the people who go through experiences because they are disobedient to God. They do believe in God, but they don't want to listen. They don't want to go full strain because of what their friends think. I see, you know, if I get to talking about God every day, they all, all get mad at me. You know, now nah, I see if I, if I stop listening to this song, they're going to be like, oh, no, nah, why you stop listening to that song? Or you're going to feel like, oh, well, if you, if you cut off your old lifestyle, then you're going to, you're going to lose your friends and you don't want to lose your friends. So you swaggling, straggling the fence. You know, you don't want to do that. So we see here what happened with the Israelites. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord because they serve other gods. There are things that you're doing in your life that you're worshiping that you don't even know that you're, you're making this a form of worship. You respecting your manager's opinion more than you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You sitting here honoring your cousin's marriage but you don't know that her husband out there committing an infidelity but you honor their marriage and you come home every night and talk about your husband and you don't know what's going on in that other marriage but you sitting up there honoring them because they look nice on facebook You know, so now you you just like, oh, they just so happy. Why? Why we can't be like that? See, you are on. No, stop comparing yourself. You are you don't even want what they got going on in their marriage. But you're worshiping it. This is what worship is. Worship is an extravagant respect or honor or devotion with regard to something else. So you sitting up here honoring, you know, uh, honoring your, your, your cousin who's sitting up here making all this money because she over here doing all type of bogus stuff to get it. 
And now you like, ah, see, I want to be like that. You honoring this type of stuff. That's a form of worship. You have to pay attention that everything is happening for a reason. And if you're not paying attention to your life, then you'll continue to recycle mistakes. And if you're not tired, then who else is going to be tired for you? You have to be tired of sin. That's when you change. You had transformed your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That happens when you're tired of sin. Get tired of it. Get so tired of it that you get on your knees and you cry out to the Lord like the Israelites did. That's what they did in verse 10. They went through so much that they cried out to the Lord. We have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the bells. This is what they cried out and said to the Lord. In verse 11, it says, the Lord replied, when the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the city, the, the Sinonians, the uh, Maca, uh, the Amalekites and the Moanites oppressed you and you cried to me for help. Did I not save you from their hands? So what God is saying, look, I saved you from all of these situations in your past. I've saved you from that abusive relationship. I've saved you from your house being foreclosed. God is saying, I've saved you from bad things happening to your children. I saved you from that situation. I saved you from these things. I saved you from getting in that bad relationship. I saved you from making the wrong investment. I saved you. I brought you out. This is what God is saying. God is saying, look, I delivered you. When you cried to me, I heard you and I answered you. This is what God is saying. God is saying, look, I say, I didn't your bills get paid? God created a way, an opportunity for your bills to get paid. He saved you. When that money hits your bank account, God helped you. You didn't even know where it was coming from. When you got food put in your house, you didn't even know where it was coming from. God helped you. How can you forget so easy? You don't forget about the things that God has done for you. So you see, this is what God is saying to the Israelites. He said, look, did I not save you from their hands? So you have to understand that God is fighting on our behalf. He goes out and he fights for us. Because the enemy, he goes out and he, he roams the earth, swimming from the earth, seeking whom he can devour. Then he goes outside the gates of heaven, bargaining with God like he did Job. Oh, just let me go ahead on it. Let me just empty her refrigerator today. Let me let his car break now so he could just stop believing in you. I bet you he ain't gonna he ain't gonna pray to you. He gonna call his friends. 
He ain't even going to acknowledge you. When the first thing you have to say out of your mouth is, look, God, Lord, thank you, Jesus, that I have a car that I can get fixed. I might not have the money right now, but God, I know you're going to make a way. So it's about you appreciating the things that you do have, not the things that you don't have. You have to think about how God has saved you. You don't think about the situation that you're in like God is not God. God is God. If he did it before, what makes you think he won't do it again? Ding, 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 ding. Let that light bulb go off in the head. Because we have big thinkers in this world. So if God did it before, he going to what? Do it again. Y'all say, do it again. God going to do it again. So in verse 14, we see that, no, in verse 13, it said, but you have forsaken me and served other gods. So I no longer will save you. You see that word forsaken? See, that's the thing you have to remember when you're making that decision not to choose God. That's what I'll be thinking about. This is what helps me to not think about fornication. I don't even think about sex at all. I'll be like, oh, no, I'm not about to forsake God. As soon as you have fornication, that's when all them problems going to happen. It's like, wait, wait. Oh, no, see, my life was, I was just doing good before... This disobedient act that I just did. Because look, when I, when I was in my old relationship, right before we um kind of like stopped being intimate, he would say, well, God know you going to sin. And I'll be like, well, yeah, God know that we going to sin, but we're not supposed to like intentionally do it. And he'd be like, well, God know we was going to fornicate. And I'm like, I don't want to fornicate, though. That's not what I want to do. And so it was like, you have to think about this, that a person that's still willing to fornicate, even after having a discussion, something going on in their heart. Because as you can see here in verse 13, God said, but you have forsaken me. Now, like the way that I think about this, this is how I think about God seriously all the time. Am I going to do everything perfect? Am I going to make mistakes? Yes. We are all going to make mistakes every single day. You're going to consciously make a mistake. You're going to unconsciously make a mistake. You're going to unconsciously make a mistake if you get mad. You just get an attitude. Ah, I know you did. I know she didn't say that. Now, there you go. There you go. That means you could open the doorway up for other things to come in. Like, okay, now you're angry. And now you're about to do what? You're about to gossip. And gossip can do what? Gossip could lead to slander. Guess what slander could do? Slander could lead to lies being said. Now the truth ain't in you. You accompanying all of this stuff. Why? 
Why you doing that to yourself? So you have to understand that you're going to make a mistake. But the point of it is, don't deliberately say, okay, well, I'm going to just fornicate this weekend and then I'm going to just repent for it after that. Who told you that that was okay? And I'm saying this, like I said, I had conversations like this in my last relationship. And it was just no. So I have been celibate since June 10th of 2022. So this is so important because when it don't matter what you're doing, who you're around, don't put yourself in a position to have to fornicate. To have to do something where now it's like, oh, no, okay, so I, I made this dedication and I made this commitment before God. And I want to stick to what I made with God. So I'm not going to fornicate. So what does that mean? That means that if you're, that means that you're going to make sure that you do not make yourself subjected to fornication. Ain't no touching none of the curves on the body. Period. So ain't no none of that. So when you make sure that you are loving God the way that you say you love God, it don't matter about what nobody's saying. You got to build the momentum up. Let me explain to you. So today... I probably had a very boring day to some people. But really, I didn't. I was reading a lot. I was writing. And I'm sending so many emails. And then I'm sitting here planning. It's so much stuff that I have to get done. I literally am almost complete. I'm about to start another school in the next week and a half, two weeks. I completed all my financial aid. I completed the application process. I requested all of my documentation. I've submitted my personal statement. I've done everything all in a week. I applied at like six, seven different schools, but it's only one school, other school that I want to go to. Do you know how lengthy a personal statement is? You have to tailor that. And that comes from your heart and your experience. So you have to understand that it doesn't matter about what people think. It matters about what God thinks. So if you're making a decision in your life, think about this. Is this choice that you're making, could you be forsaking God doing it? Some men out here about to cheat on their wives. Could you be forsaking the, the, the commitment that you made before God? The vow that you made in front of the Lord. You know, so you want to think about that. It's not about you thinking with your laurel self. I don't know why I said it like that. Lower self 
I sounded so country when I said that, didn't I? Lower. I meant to say lower self. So it's not about you thinking with your lower self. You have to think about your higher self. And your lower self will make you think about your desires. And then afterwards, you're going to feel what? Weak. And then after that, what? Now you're going to have self-doubts. Oh, you know, I, I, I don't know if I want to make this marriage work. See, I don't know if I want to stay in that job. I'm, I'm just tired of it. I, I, I don't want to work nothing out because you've been around the office gossiping. You gossiping so much, you bringing it at home. You don't even know how to switch it up a little bit. Just be cool for one week. Make yourself be cool for one week. So you understand, like, it's a lot of stuff that we could be doing to empower the momentum of our relationship with God. Stop doing things that will weaken your courage. You have to show God that you can be disciplined. It's about having self-discipline. It's about being able to show that you can sustain even when you are faced in your flesh, in your adversity, in your problem. So in this verse 14, it says, go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. Do you see that? So what God is saying right here is that he basically abandons them to the gods that they've been worshiping. And remember, uh, what worship, worship means uh, what? Extravagance, respect, honor, and devotion. Like that article that I read about people respecting their managers. They listen to their managers more than they listen to their spouse or their doctor. So that's a devotion. And if, if you having that type of devotion, that means that your, manner, your manager will have can dictate your mental health. And if someone can control your mental health, that means you have too much of a strong devotion to that external person. Don't let nothing external interfere with your relationship with God. So God is telling the Israelites, look, go and cry to the gods that you have chosen and let them save you when you're in trouble. So God will leave you in a situation because that's what you choose. You only see God know the heart. People only call on God just to get out of a situation for a moment. And then they write back to themselves. 
Now it's like, oh, God, I need help with my bills. And then as soon as God help you, there you go fornicating again. And then you have another problem. There you go. God, I need help with this. Help me with this. Help me with the kids. Help me with that. Help me do, you know, you calling on God every time you in trouble. But when you not in trouble, you don't call on God. God don't, you don't even mention God when everything is going good in your life. See, you got to understand the enemy is building that momentum for you to keep God out of your life. So when trouble st struck, when, when trouble come and hit your door, you know, could it, it, it's a possibility you might not even acknowledge God. Because you build so much momentum of keeping God out of your life. That the enemy can make you feel like everything is fine when in actuality is not. So in verse 15, it says, but the Israelites said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. So you have to understand that when you pray for people. You have to be willing to pray for yourself too. Did you include yourself in that prayer? See, because when I pray, I pray and I include myself in the prayer. So when you praying for people, make sure you praying in a way where you can include yourself in that prayer. The Lord just put that on my heart to say, okay? So it's so important for us to make sure that the, the way we look at other people, that can you put yourself in that situation? Do you know what that person experienced? Do you know what they went through? Did you know what their choice was? What would you do? If that was you, since you like comparing. See, one thing I don't do is I don't like comparing. I went through so much. I used to compare people all the time. I'd be like, you know, how you do something like that? How you sit out there and you gonna, you gonna choose the job? That's not going to pay you after you seen your friends didn't get paid. Why you do that? So then I'll be like, um, why would you choose that boy? Why would you be with him? And you know that all he do is cheat on every girlfriend he got. I would never do nothing like that. So I used to compare a lot. So the thing is, is that's not good to do because when you are in a situation, you don't know what you would do in that person's situation, especially when you've never been in that situation. So it's so good not to compare yourself to people because when you compare yourself, what you are ultimately doing is you're saying and you're speaking this into the atheists and you're saying, look, 
you're you're creating a destiny for yourself that will allow you to go through that experience don't compare yourself to people you don't know what their choices were you didn't have to live through their choice and if you were faced with their choice you don't know what you would do so usually the way that i um approach things in life is i don't like comparing myself to people so i don't do that and um the main reason why i don't is because that i i don't know what i would do if i was in somebody else if they, if i was in those shoes so i don't like to put myself in other people's shoes i like to empathize with them but i don't like to compare myself to them because i've been in situations where i've seen that people fold so i know <laughs> i i've been through some stuff so like you don't know what my choices were you don't know what my life is like so you know if, if you have a question please go ahead and put it right here in the q a and i'll answer it there okay so um so basically that's what it says so the israelites said to the lord we have sinned do with us whatever you think best but please rescue us now so you want to make sure that when you are praying you can include yourself in that prayer you're speaking now if you have a question or a comment just put it here and i'll respond to you so um don't exclude yourself from the prayer when you're praying for other people you want to have the same level of mercy that you want God to have on you. So in verse 16, it says, then they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. So it's, it's about, they made the choice to tell God, look, we have sinned, do whatever you want. Just, just rescue us. But it was in a action. See, cause you see, they cried out to the Lord in verse 10. But see, it was like God knew that they weren't for real. Then Israel cried out to the Lord, we have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the Baals. And then the Lord, the Lord replied, when the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the, Sin the Sinonians, the Am Am Amalekites, and the Moanites oppressed you, and you cried to me for help, did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and serve other gods, so I will no longer save you. So you see that they cried to the Lord and God told them that he will not save them. And God told them, look, go and cry to the other gods that you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. But then in verse, you see right here in verse 15, but they said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do whatever you want. But they action was they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. That was the difference in verse 10 and in verse 16. 
See, verse 10, they just cried out to the Lord. We have sinned against you, forsaken our God, and then serving the bells. That's what they did. But in verse 16, yeah, they sinned. They admitted to sinning. But they got rid of the foreign, they, they foreign gods. And so it says, and he could bear Israel's misery no longer. So God couldn't bear seeing them in misery any longer. Once they got rid of their foreign gods and they served the Lord, God, it says, God, it says, and he could bear Israel misery no more. So he could bear it no longer. So in verse 17, when the Ammonites were called to arms and camped in Gilead, the Israelites assembly encamped at Mizpah. The leaders of the people of Gilead said to each other, whoever will take the lead in attacking the Ammonites will be the head over all who live in Gilead. So you see here, when you're going through something, don't forget God. Don't forget God. Don't forget God, okay? It is so important not to forget God. So, um, now I wanted to kind of shift focus here and uh I want to go to Jeremiah 33 and 6. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. So we see God wants us to have abundant, abundant life and abundant peace. So I wanted to go back over um, what I was talking about uh, on Tuesday about um, cancer. It is so important for us to understand that God does not want you to be sick. We see this in Jeremiah 33 and 6. I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. So God wants you to have healing and abundant peace. And security. Really, I would like to just conclude with um, the cancer and say this. Cancer is and has been a deadly disease. But before they had chemotherapy, people were living many, many years with cancer. So don't be deceived. There are holistic treatments. There are proven to help individuals get healing from cancer. There are testimonial evidence that individuals have been cured from cancer. So this isn't made up. This is actual evidence true stories that people have been healed from cancers so i want to um look at some videos 
Oh, give me one moment, please. Hold on. I have to make a couple updates in order to go forward. Okay. Okay, so here is one video. I'm going to pull this up. And then I'll post these videos. So here is, this happened about three years ago. It shows that a New York pair was arrested for basically um, selling apricot seeds as cancer cure. Hey, I'm Michael Gorgiulian for K. Andrew. It's Thursday, October 24th, and you're watching Listen Up. If you thought yesterday was a good day, today's going to be even better. So go outside and enjoy the warmer temperatures. The ex-NYPD officer who was fired this summer for his role in Eric Garner's death wants his job back. Daniel Panzaleo was suing the police department. Now, as the lawyers say, Commissioner James O'Neill's decision was, quote, arbitrary and capricious. O'Neill fired Panzaleo in August after an NYPD judge found the officer guilty of reckless assault. Well, now, a couple of hikers in New Jersey, they are thanking their Apple Watch for saving their lives. This man, James Progenciano, says he and his date were in Horseshoe Woods, the park there, when they fell almost 100 feet down the cliff. It automatically won 911. I had no idea how I knew it was about the fall. His fall actually triggered the watch's hard fall detection feature. It even sent his coordinates to rescuers. So now we know apricots are a great source of vitamin A and C, but this mother-son duo is claiming the fruit seed can cure cancer. Jason Vale and his mom, Barbara, they made over 85,000. I want to say that they said fake cure. He wrote fake cure up here. Now, mind you, there are reviews, there are doctors, there are other people all around the world that have been taking the apricot seeds for cure, uh, to cure their cancers. So let's look here. Dollars from selling apricot seeds and oils online, and they're in big trouble for fraud. The FDA arrested them at their home in Queens, and as far as health officials know, their claims are just not supported by science. Finally, this New Jersey couple, they were having a romantic dinner when one of them felt something weird in their mouth. Anton and Cheryl Schumer had ordered a plate of oysters, and they found a tiny pearl inside one of the mollusks. Now, natural okay, so now we're gonna, are extremely um... rare and they're even valuable. This mother-son duo is claiming the fruit seed can cure cancer. So I want to um, copy embed code. All right. So I wanted to post that there. There is another video as well. Okay, so we see, I'm trying to see which video I'm going to put up here. Um, 
So they have seminars for this. If you haven't seen any of my Kent Hovind videos yet, you don't have to see any of the previous ones to understand what's happening in this. Wait, hold on one second. Let me pull that back up. I apologize. If you haven't seen to... any of my Kent Hovind videos yet, you don't have to see any of the previous ones to understand what's happening in this one. I'm going through it piece by piece and splitting it up. So if you haven't seen part one or two or three, you can watch this without seeing the others. With all that being said, why don't we listen to Kent Hovind? God said, I want you to eat the herbs, kids, eat your vegetables, the fruit, and the seeds. Genesis 1.29. We don't do that much. We eat the hamburger, french fries, and coke. God said eat the fruit, vegetables, and seeds. When you eat the fruit, you should eat the seed. And so um, this, this is very, very true. Okay, and I talked about this on the podcast for herbal medicine versus traditional medicine. When you are eating a actual plant, you are also supposed to eat the seed. And... um. Yes, the peel in some cases, like for instance, the lemon peel is pretty healthy, but it does have a lot of pesticide sprays and different things like that. So the actual peeling to certain um, plants and fruits, they should be cleaned thoroughly, but it is really important to eat the seed and the actual entire plant. So let's finish up listening here. Oh no, I, I remember this now. This is Kent Hovind's claim about like apricot seeds and their cancer curing abilities or whatever, isn't it? Is, is that what Kent Hovind is about to tell us? Oh my God, I totally forgot about this. He, didn't he get in like a ton of trouble for claiming that like apricot seeds can cure cancer and he was like selling them on his website and stuff and he had to like apologize or, or pay okay so let's say this people are saying that all of these people are getting paid money to sell apricot seeds all you have to do is purchase them yourself and see what happens for you that's it apricot seeds cost about $20 a bag and you get a whole bag of them and so who cares how you purchase them as long as you get them right so you have people in the world that are pretty pessimistic and then you have people in the world that actually you know um really really believe in you know the word of God and how you know um different cures are taking place around the world so um let's I'm going to listen to this a couple more minutes. For it or I don't even remember exactly what it was, but yeah, there was some big thing about this, like a while back. He got in like a lot of trouble for it, I think. He said, that thing's hard. Well, crack it open with a hammer. The seed is inside the hall, okay? And by the way, this is a good book. A lady saw my seminar, got all excited, went on a Garden of Eden diet, and totally revolutionized her health. Wrote a good book on that, following the Eden diet, if you want to get that. What is it all apples? Like, what are you? Okay, so this commentator here, he's an atheist, and so he's gonna have pretty negative perception. But like I said, it's it's okay to um listen to the 
opposition so you can know what to pray for so right now i just pray for this person in the name of jesus christ god i just lift him up to you we ask that you just soften his heart break his heart of stone lord god and allow him to understand who you are through romans 1 and 20 god let him understand your invisible qualities are same for all so that we are all without excuse in the name of jesus christ Okay, so there's another video too. So let's look at um all you see is people getting accused of of trying to cure cancers. So hold on a second, I'm gonna go back. So we see here anyone who says that there's a cure for cancer gets in trouble. So here's a video. It says sell apricot seeds and get sell apricot seeds and get thrown in jail dollars are spent on cancer research every year but imagine if the cure was as simple as a visit to the supermarket that's what one new york man is claiming that the cure for cancer is in a seed but it's gotten him into a lot of trouble with the law mary garofalo is here now with that incredible story mary len rosanna to some jason vale is a saint to others he's a snake oil salesman but one thing is for certain, he is stirring up a lot of controversy because he claims to have found a cure for cancer, but it's landed him behind bars. Take a close look at this guy. He's in a back. Okay, you see that? Let's see another one here. Uh, my oncologist said that your cancer is so bad that I can't cure you. And she said, I suggest that you uh, get your affairs in order. One day, Mark woke up unable to walk after countless tests and scans. He was diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer. And the cancer has spread to his lungs and mom. And basically, when she told me that, it, it basically set off like a starting gun. I was just bound and determined. And, you know, dying, in, as far as I was concerned, dying was not an option. Southern California in the San Fernando Valley. I'm gonna um, speed forward here. This is what I did because this is what I wanted. For me, the chemotherapy uh, played an important part in the fact that I needed to stop the rapid growth because it, it was in so many areas. You know, it was in my prostate, it was in my bones, it was in my lung. So it was everywhere in his body. Then I think he'll be around in a year. But if you don't, I, I, 
I don't know what's going to happen to you. So that was a major, major thing for me to radically change everything about my diet. Because I hear I'm thinking, um, you know, I'm a vegan and, and uh, you know, I, I'm healthy and all this kind of stuff. But why, if, if it's that healthy for me, why do I have so much cancer? So I pondered that for... So do you do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that even though he was a vegan, if if he changed the way he eats, why does he have so much cancer? When he's already eating healthy. See? So let's listen up. Longest time, but you know, when your back's against the wall and my back was, I had to make some changes and radical changes. And so I said, okay, give me the diet and I'll follow it. And to this day, I still follow it. And, and so what he gave me, uh, you know, I added uh, wild salmon, I added organic chicken, organic turkey, and organic beef. Uh, and then I changed, you know, some of the other things as well. Um, and, and I, I do I do a lot with my diet. It's very very complex, but in my opinion, that is what has saved my life, and that's why I'm around today. I did the six rounds of chemo, and uh, I started implementing my my diet. And what I've done is I've treated my whole being. So, you know, not only the physical, but also the mental as well. And so I was working with um, a hypnotherapist from Cyprus. And so she helped me a lot and, and taught me a lot of things that I had no idea about of working with the subconscious mind. Oh, I didn't know oh. when I started what was going to happen. Uh, but I put in my mind that, you know, there if there was any way possible on this earth, I was going to live. I mean, there was just dying. I was just, you know, I look at the obituaries, you know, I glance through them every day, and I said, there's no way my name is going to be there. No way. When I started my camp... So that's just, you know, he has a nice story, um, but let, let's look at this other one here, too.
because of the toxicity that can be um, had due to the cyanide that's found in these. Um, they don't want you to have more than three. Some people have re recommended 10. I am no doctor and I'm not recommending anything. This is what I'm doing and what I'm taking to be cancer free in my journey. You can find these in my Amazon storefront if you'd like to get some. You don't have to have cancer to be able to take these. It's a great preventative measure. It does a lot of things which you'll see in uh, the text that I put in this video. So. Or you all can just order them from Amazon. Okay? Amazon, get them online. Just type in apricot seeds and you should be fine. Okay? So let's look at one more video. This is Jennifer Bagnashi with Deep Believer. I am super duper ecstatic about our guest today. She is the wife of Thurman Scribner. He was an evangelist, preacher, and known healer. Almost everyone he prayed over got healed. Pastors even said that it was a 100% success rate for those who believed. Now she's going to so there's the little houses on the left side and there's a portico share that connects it to where you drive the cars under and there that drives over the you know the big houses on the other side and that's where Tim and his family live Tim Morak and the grandkids so so we moved into that and Thurman uh well and he built it every day after work by himself and he paid cash for it okay so one morning I wake up about 2 a.m. in the morning I asked him, I wake him up. I says, honey, will you pray for me? I said, my stomach's on fire. And he said, well, how long have you had it? I said, two days. He said, why did you wake me up at this hour about that? Why did you ask me two days ago? I said, because I've been praying for myself. My prayers got answered before. He said, woman, <laughs> woman. Let me pull up a different, um, a shorter paper. Um, it says nine science paper. There most certainly are various articles published within various scientific journals from around the world regarding apricots, well, the compound within apricots known as amygdalin and its effect on various cell lines. Now, these cell lines would be from various cancers, so they are cancer cells. I'm just going to briefly outline the papers and then after that, I will follow up with a little extra information. This is a very basic summary. Cervical cancer, China, 2013. Bladder cancer, Germany, 2014. Indeed, from Germany, we have two papers emanating from the Goethe University Hospital, Frankfurt in Germany. Breast cancer, South Korea, 2016. 2016 is the year this paper was published online. Prostate cancer, South Korea, 2006. 
Colon cancer, South Korea, 2005. Leukemia, South Korea, 2003. Liver cancer, China, 2012. Lung cancer, China, 2015. The study here out of China had two aspects to it, two main aspects, in that it had an in vivo component where in this case the mice were utilised, so the cancer cells were within the mice, in vivo as it's called. There was also an in vitro aspect and that would pertain to basically the other studies that I've covered. The in vitro aspect would regard lab work using a petri dish for example. Personally, I've never been diagnosed with cancer, but for my own interest, I consumed 60 of these, 60 apricot kernels in one day, and I did that on two consecutive days. And I suffered no ill health effects uh, due to my consumption of those kernels. Lately, I've been eating about 10 to 15 apricot kernels per day. I have not been diagnosed with cancer. I eat these as a potentially preventative measure, a prophylactic measure. Within this video, I make no claims of a cure for anything. If you have cancer, seek advice from a registered medical practitioner. Bye for now. Okay, you see? Now, this is so important for you to just be able to understand that it's up to you what you want to do with your body. But you need to consider all of the information that's out there pertaining to apricot kernels and cancer, right? So, um, yes, there are going to be negative perspectives on cancer. Why? Why do you think it would? You know, if you have an opinion about why there is negative feedback about apricot kernels, Please go ahead and put them in the comments and I'll be sure to approve them. Okay. So, um, that just marks the two hours for tonight. Can you hear me? No, I couldn't hear this person. I apologize. I couldn't hear them. Um, they did not write anything. You, when you, when you all are writing, um, just make sure you write out your complete question in the Q&A and then I'll be able to see it from there. So thank you all so much for joining me tonight. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for allowing us to understand what is happening around the world and how we can incorporate your word to allow us to live sustainable lives. And lives that are filled with your peace and also abundance. So we thank you, God, that your word is so powerful in our life. And, and that you just continue to reshape our hearts and help us to transform our minds by renewing our minds, God. And allow us to unlearn things that we've learned in this world that is not beneficial to your plan will or purpose for our life so let's unlearn the things that we don't need to continue to follow and let's adopt the things in your word that is going to bring about us having an abundant life that is filled with peace longevity sustainability and good health and so god we thank you today we thank you in advance for just being in our life 
We appreciate you, Lord. And so we just give you glory, praise, and honor. We ask that you continue to remove every obstacle and barrier in our path. We lay our concerns at your throne of grace, and we ask that you handle them for us on our behalf. Thank you so much, Father God. It is still in your blood. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, thank you all for joining me. I will see you all tomorrow. Um, just remember to, you know, be great, influence the greatness in others. And hey, if you if you support me, go ahead and, and donate. Click the donate button and um, go ahead and uh, donate at suddenchangescorporation.org. And if you have a comment or